This episode is presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. For tickets for an upcoming game or concert, visit TicketKingOnline.com or a quick link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. TicketKingOnline.com, 612-341-4141. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. It's the good Minnesota get-together before the great one. It is episode 90 of the Scoop Podcast. We are trying something new, at least for the time being. This episode will be a few interviews. Episode 91 will be available later this week. That's where I will empty out my notebook with a bunch of stuff on the Wolves, the Twins, the Vikings, the Gophers, and so on. I say good Minnesota get-together. Heck, it could be great. It is solid. Phil Mackey, who runs the podcast network here, 1500 ESPN, was nice enough to pass along some updated numbers from the last seven or eight episodes. The download numbers are fantastic. Into the tens of thousands. I cannot thank you enough. I am incredibly humbled. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Here on episode 90, we catch up with Gophers men's basketball coach Richard Patino, twins analyst slash special assistant Tori Hunter, and we'll get to know one of the newest Timberwolves, Marcus George's Hunt. So that will complete episode 90. Again, episode 91 will be made available later here in the week of August 21st. That's where I'll have a bunch of notes. We'll see how this goes. This was a recommendation by the bosses. I will defer to them. They know what they're doing far more than I do when it comes to podcasting. So we'll go with this strategy, this line of thinking, at least for the time being. We'll see how it goes. Before we get to Richard Patino, some love for the sponsor of the Scoop Podcast, Vine Park Brewery. Vinepark.com online. They are right off of West 7th Street in St. Paul between 35E and downtown St. Paul. Not that far from 35E, that 35E West 7th Street exit, available on Twitter at Vine underscore Park underscore Brew. Andy, the owner, is a rock-solid guy. He was on one of the recent episodes that had a bunch of downloads. Andy right now is offering $7 tours of their brewery, which includes either a free flight or a pint plus Higgy's Pizza. So think about it. You go to Vine Park Brewery, you spend 7 bucks, you get a pint or a flight, you get a bunch of good pizza Love Heggie's Pizza, and you get to see how they make beer, how they make wine. Vine Park is the only brewery in the Midwest where you can brew your own beer and make your own wine on their equipment with their help. Vine Park has been the fun place to brew your own beer and make your own wines since 1995. If you don't want to make your own beer, don't want to make your own wine, go pick up one of their growlers. They have all sorts of different flavors. I guarantee if you're into beer, if you are a beer aficionado, I guarantee Vine Park Brewery in St. Paul has something that will satisfy your taste buds. Support one of the sponsors of the Scoop Podcast. All right, let's catch up with Richard Patino of the Gophers. We hit on a number of topics. I sat down with him late last week. I know he's out east on a little vacation before school starts up again. Here in, what, just a handful of days, I guess, early September, when a lot of the guys are back on campus. In fact, I think a lot of the players are back on campus early next week. But Patino escaping a little bit this week with the family. Then he'll be at the State Fair with some of his players next week. One note that I did not hit up with Patino because he can't talk about official recruits, but Eric Hunter, the point guard slash combo guard from Indianapolis, 
has set his official visit dates. He will visit the University of Minnesota officially September 27th to September 29th. He will also take official visits to Xavier, Ohio State, and Purdue. He will take those visits before the Gophers visit. So not quite sure if that's good or bad that the Gophers have the last visit in an ideal world. I mean, they're recruiting a few guys, but in an ideal world, the Gophers complete their 2018 recruiting class with Eric Hunter. Anyway, here's my conversation with Richard Patino. All right, I'm a religious reader of your blog. So I went through your blog that you posted this week, and you said you're asked often about how you went from eight wins to 24 wins. To me, is it as simple as Lynch, Coffee, Springs, that you had all this talent? It was a completely new team last year. Is the answer that simple, or is there more to it? It's probably a lot more simple than people think. Um, it was the combination of the newcomers in those three guys specifically making an impact. But then I think the returners, you know, as and people don't want to hear it, but if you really paid attention at the, the end of that eight-win season, we were getting close with a really, really young team. And I think that if you were really paying attention, you could say, okay, I see. I always thought we were a little bit like the Wolves were, like young team. We, we beat Maryland, beat Rutgers, and then I had to suspend those guys, and it was like season was done. Uh, but I thought we could have gotten a little bit of good momentum going into the next year. We didn't get that. Um, and I think it was those, those returners stuck it out. You know, in a lot of instances, instances uh, Nate Mason, Jordan Murphy, Dupree McBrayer, they would have transferred. They stuck it out. Um, and then the returners stuck it out, believed in it. Um, and I think it was, you know, our strength was a little bit of, and again, I'm not a big nobody believes in us deal. Like, nobody believed in us. I don't think they should have believed in us. We didn't have any equity built up to where they should have, but we had that bond where there was no ego. Um, you know, I made the reference in the blog, like we had a, we had a, a locker room that high school teams would have complained about. They didn't say a word. Uh, and I think that, that lack of ego, that, that humility, that just doing it solely to get the win um, was a great strength. And we've got to make sure we have that, you know, and I kind of made the point. I mean, we're, we're going into the season with top 20 expectations, brand new facilities. You know, now these guys are going to get pampered and so on. So we got to make sure that we do not change what our identity was last year. And that's difficult. It's a, it's a fun challenge to have, though. I mean, is that your biggest challenge? Now coaching a team with enormous expectations? You know, I, I've been lucky to grow up around awesome teams. You know, uh, my dad was coach Kentucky, you know, so growing up in that, in Louisville, and when I was at Florida, you were always, ex you always had big expectations. So if there's one thing that I took from being a part of that is maybe being able to operate at that level on a daily basis. Um, and, and I made the comment too in the blog that I don't want to be a preseason top 20 team. I, I want to be a top 20 program every single day. And that's being able to operate with those expectations, uh, you know, to where you don't feed into the, the kind of the noise that's irrelevant. You know, I mean, to me, when you deal with failure, there's almost a really easy handbook that everybody grabs. Okay, ignore the critics, you know, work harder, band together, all those, us again, that's easy. But when you have a really good regular season like we had and you're not used to preseason expectations and you're 
Well, now it's going to be a little bit more complex. Uh, so that's definitely one of my biggest challenges. And, you know, I turn on, I've been rewatching all of our games, and we were by no means perfect. I mean, there's a lot we need to get better at uh, just from a basketball standpoint as well. The NCAA game, is that one that just drives you crazy thinking, gosh, if I had Akeem Springs healthy, if you I had, what? you know, 100% Nate Mason, maybe the outcome's different. Heck, maybe we play into that second weekend. Yeah, I mean, I think that, listen, it, it, Nate Mason was hurt, Akeem was hurt. Um, I think the great programs have enough depth to where they can deal with that stuff. Uh, did we get hit kind of at the wrong time? Sure. but. We were pretty lucky the whole season with not having any type of injuries like that. Uh, so, you know, the tournament's a crapshoot. Uh, did I want to make it further? Yeah, I did. And hopefully we put ourselves in a position to be there again this year. Uh, but if you take a step back and you look at the five-month span of what we did, pretty special. You know, that, that has not been done in this program's history in a long time. Uh, that was one of the best regular seasons they've had here. Now, we didn't have the tournament success, so hopefully if we get back there, we can do that. Uh, but, you know, we went the whole month of February without a loss. That's really hard to do. Eight in a row uh, in the Big Ten is really, really hard to do. Uh, so a lot of good things with a young team. Um, you know, now we just got to, you know, just like when you have a bad season, it's time to close that chapter and move on because that's irrelevant to this year as well. But is there a sense of fulfillment? I mean, you had talked going back a couple years. You said, okay, year four. Circling year four, you delivered on your promise in year four. Well, I was really concerned. When I took the job, I was very concerned with, um, I kind of thought that second year was a funny year because I, I knew we'd dip in year three um, just because there was, you know, Coach Smith left a lot of good older players, but we didn't have a lot of good young guys at the time. And then when we came in, we weren't really able to make a dent in recruiting right away. Um, so I probably put a little too much pressure on myself year two to, okay, you got to go to a tournament. Um, and we weren't able to do that. And I knew we'd dip in year three because I think everybody compares you. You know, they say, okay, it's okay to be bad year one. Now you got to be better. Sometimes the process just doesn't work like that. Um, but I did believe with the young guys in our program that they would get better, they would develop. Uh, I was really excited about the transfers in Devante and Reggie. I was really excited about the freshmen in Amir, Michael, and Eric. Um, and I thought that we had some pieces. And, uh, you know, again, I, I'm really excited about our team this year uh, if we stay healthy and we, we continue to get better. You said in your first answer that Murphy, Mason McBride were the three M's, that oftentimes guys in those positions would have transferred. You've landed some good recruits, but maybe is your best recruiting job convincing those guys to stay? I'm sure at least one of them thought, you know, I'm, I'm sure it was close, that one of them almost left, if not multiple. It was ne there was never like a specific instance, but I, I always tell people, you know, because everybody says I did a good job coaching last year, uh, you know, because you, you win coach of the year, so people say, oh, you did a good job, whatever that means, I don't know. But I always thought the best job that we did was at the end of that eight-win season. Um, keeping the locker room intact we were we were fighting we were playing for each other we really were um, and then going into the summer um, and into the fall you know I thought our coaching staff did a great job of keeping everybody positive because that summer and that fall was really tough there was so much negativity swirling around me around our program um, and so much uncertainty and I thought that was a great job by our staff to get everybody bought in. Um, you know, and a lot of it is, is the parents were great. 
um, you know, especially the returners, uh, they just believed in us and uh, believed in what we were doing. And, uh, you know, like I had a great conversation with Nate Mason's dad this morning about it, about how happy they were to stick with it. And, uh, you know, so th th that was a gratifying moment for us. Uh, but definitely that was, that was hard because, you know, we didn't have a lot of help to do that. Uh, now, again, we haven't arrived, but now we got great facilities to sell. Uh, you know, we've got more support. Now it's, it's not easier, but it's a little bit less difficult. What sort of difference maker is, is the new facilities? I mean, did you tweet out a picture a couple weeks ago? The baskets are already up? Yeah, it's, it's looking pretty good. You know, I, I told Mark Coyle, I said, you know, you keep saying January. We could be in there earlier, but I'm sure there's all types of red tape they have to go through. Um, I think from there's so many aspects of why it's a different difference maker for everybody. Obviously, on a day-to-day -day basis, just the functionality of the Athletes Village is off the charts from food, academics, all the training that you do uh, is all under one roof, so that's huge. Um, I think that now when you bring recruits in and you show them this, because we were one of the last people to have it, we're one of the newest people to have it, so that's great, uh, because new is great. But I think more than anything, from a local standpoint, it shows our local recruits that we mean business, that we're committed to winning. Um, you know, because sometimes when you bring in kids for a 48-hour visit, you know, you just don't show them some of the things. <laughs> we're, we're local guys, you can't, uh, you cannot hide. They, they know. Uh, and if you're not committed, you're not going to get them. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't think it's a uh, mistake that, you know, we're starting to recruit really well locally. and. You know, we got this building going up, and, and they're seeing it. So they're seeing that commitment level. Expound on the recruiting locally. I mean, in general terms, 2018 recruiting is going very well. Yeah, I, mean, I think recruiting is going well. Uh, obviously, you can't speak specifics, but, you know, it's, it's when you get everybody on board here, it's amazing what you can accomplish. And I think that local recruits notice it. You know, I mean, it, it, it's... We had a great season, you know, regular season, obviously postseason we did not. Uh, we've got new facilities, so a new commitment level, and now local recruits want to stay. It's, it, it's all hand in hand. So, uh, you know, getting everybody on board, uh, kind of moving in that same direction is huge. And uh, you can't fake that. You know, that, that, that's, that's obvious to people, and it seems like everybody's seeing that. Your dad was here a few weeks ago, a month ago. I was talking to Lou Nanny. I can't remember in the last few weeks. Yeah, probably he said a month your ago. dad took a tour. I assume you were on that tour too. He said your dad was blown away. Like the yeah. way Lou was explaining it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the facilities are down at Louisville. I imagine they're fantastic. Yeah. But Lou said Rick was just. He was floored. He was. Yeah, no, he was. I mean, it's got that wow factor, um, you know. And I, I think just from, you know, again, like like they've got great facilities there, but. They don't have a full cafeteria, one floor below their practice court. You know, um, they don't. They don't have a leadership development center on the top floor that overlooks this beautiful skyline of Minneapolis with um, all these resources that connect these student athletes to these Fortune 500 companies. You know, because I always, when we all say, "Oh, you know, this is a good degree," I'm always a little leery that, like, what does that mean when you say such and such university is a good degree? To me, it's what are we doing to get them a job? Well, again, it's we're putting our money where our mouth is, and we're we've created this really cool leadership development. Um, you know, so he was blown away by it. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think there's a whole lot we don't have anymore. 
Uh, I will say, you know, we didn't have that, um, and coaches in the past did not have that. I always give Coyle and Fleck a hard time. I say, you guys are walking in at a great time. Um, but it's a fun time for all the sports. It really is. And I think that the student-athletes in all the sports are getting um, a bit rejuvenated and excited about what's coming with the Athletes Village. So you have everything? I mean, recruiting budget. Yep. I mean, can we nitpick that? I mean, do you have everything that you want to win at a very high level here? We do now. You know, we didn't before, but we do now. You know, I mean, I think that all those excuses are, uh, you know, you kind of throw them out the window now. I mean, I think that uh, it, there, there's so many things that you can sell here. You know, you've got an iconic arena that still has got that nostalgia, like a Fenway Park, like a Wrigley Field. Um, You've got a tremendous student-athlete experience. That's something I think we underrate a little bit. Our kids love playing here, going to school here. Um, you've got great fan support, obviously. You've got a marquee conference in the Big Ten. And now you've got these facilities and these opportunities outside of basketball. Um, yeah, I think you got it all. I really do. Up the ante is, is the motto for this year? Yeah, I think the people are going to be scared. They're going to... You know, do you want to lower expectations? Do you want to distance yourself from that? Uh, you know, I, I, let's not be scared of it. You know, let, let, let's, let's, let's up the ante. Let's go all in. Um, if people think we're going to be good, let's, let's relish that. You know, we're not going to beat our chest and talk about how good we're going to be. But, okay, if somebody thinks that we could be top three, four in the Big Ten or top 20 in the country, don't be scared of that. You know, I mean, uh, be humble. We're very big on being humble, uh, but don't don't fear failure. Be excited about what's being put in front of us, and be excited about the opportunities that we have. It certainly looks like you're upping the ante with the schedule. Yeah, it's probably our toughest schedule. Two true road games. You know, this this season was uh, challenging because of those two early December games uh, from the conference standpoint. So you feel like you're really playing six high major opponents before Christmas, and we are. I mean, we're playing Miami. I know everybody thought we were going to play Duke. Well, Miami, a lot of people are picking Miami to win oh, the ACC. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're probably a top 20 team. Mm -hmm. Playing at Providence College, very tough team, probably an NCAA tournament team. Playing at Arkansas, another probably NCAA tournament team, really good Maybe. home court, one of the best home courts in the country. Alabama, probably preseason top 25. Mm -hmm. And then you go along with Harvard, a really difficult uh, non-conference game. They're an NCAA team. Yeah. And then you've got two Big Ten games. So that's seven games. I don't know who we're going to play in the Big Ten, but that's seven games before Christmas that are going to be a challenge. Uh, so you schedule to where you think your team can handle it. Um, so our guys have got to be ready. And, and what's good is I can wake them up a little bit and, and circle the calendar and say, guys, we got to play these teams. You better be ready. There's some hurdles later in the year. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Do you lose a home game with the January 20th game yeah. at Madison Square Garden? Yeah. So you're down a home game. Yeah. Then with the Big Ten tournament at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. That's an interesting week between, okay, you get done playing in the Big Ten tournament, Selection Sunday. I mean, heck, I would think that creates some challenges. You know, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, hopefully, we're in the NCAA tournament again. If, if I, I tell people when they ask me about it, it's a good, I say it's a good problem to have. Uh, you know, I wasn't crazy about losing a home game to go play in the Garden. As much as I love the Garden, and I love it, and it's such a cool place to play, and it's a great experience. If our fans can go, which I know a lot of fans want to go, uh, I do think it'll be a cool experience. I just hate the fact that we're going to lose a home conference game um, you know, for that. Um, but 
I think there's some obstacles with that whole thing with playing a week earlier, but I think it. I think when we get there, I've played in Big East tournaments uh, in the Garden. It is special. Uh, so you know, it's a little give and take. Um, but I, I don't really look that far ahead in the scheduling part of it. Uh, I try to put ourselves in the best possible. If we get in the NCAA tournament, it's great. We'll figure it out. Can I tell you one thing I hate about the schedule? Sure. Wisconsin, one time. Yeah. I mean, it's out of your control, but to me, the natural rival, the 1A rival, yeah. that should be a home and home. You should play Wisconsin twice every year, no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you Jim Delaney's cell, and you can call him. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, again, I. I'm really, really big. Like I, I get so many things put in front of me that are in my control. It's not if it's not in my control. I, I can only handle my brain can only handle so much. So I do agree with you. I think it's better for everybody if Indiana and Purdue play twice, if Minnesota, Wisconsin play twice, uh, Michigan, Michigan State. I think that's good for everybody. So I think they're working their way through that unbalanced schedule. Uh, but I do think that we're going to have an awesome, awesome schedule this year. A few questions about some players. I'll let you go. Isaiah Washington. Saw him playing the Twin Cities Pro Am. I get it. There's not a whole lot of defense played. He looks like he's got a chance to be pretty special, though. Yeah, you know, it's funny because it's what's remarkable is, you know me, I'm I'm, I'm an anti-social media guy, um, but I get it, and it's part of the deal, and I understand it. I think everyone who does it, there's a component of you love it and you hate it. But it's amazing what Isaiah, Isaiah, as I looked this morning, he has 333,000 Instagram followers. <laughs> I mean, that, that is four to five times, I think, our athletic departments. So not, not a knock on our social media. They do a great job. But that's remarkable. Now we got to get him to understand that it's really irrelevant. It's great, but it's irrelevant. Now you have built your brand phenomenally. Um, but I'll say this. He's a darn good player. He loves the game. I mean, he loves basketball. Um, and he wants to win. You know, So I think he's a... I think he's a special, special talent, um, and he's had a great summer. I mean, I imagine that gives you a chance when he's on the ball to play Nate Mason off the ball. I mean, I have to imagine you're thinking about different lineup combinations right now. Yeah. Right. I mean, Isaiah on the ball. Nate yeah, Mason I've been off looking at I've been looking at a bunch of different things, and I think we'll do that in the fall more. Um, that means you you got some players, you know. So that's a great problem to have. Um, so you know, I think you tinker with it. You see what works. See who's playing well with each other. You know, you never know until you start pu putting in the bulk of your playbook. You start, you know, the grind of student athletes' life in seasons a little bit different in the summer. So you kind of try to project it, but you do not know. Uh, but I, I, I'm very very excited about uh, where I think he can go. Have you noticed? I mean, you get what a couple hours a week to work with these guys in the summer. Have you seen noticeable leaps from individuals? Can you tell that in those two hours? You know, I'd say the two guys, now Dupree McBrayer has been hurt for a lot of it. He's got a little foot deal, he'll be fine. Uh, the two guys, I think, if you ask me, and I'll probably get in trouble for listing two guys, but would be, uh, would be Eric uh, Curry and uh, Jordan Murphy. I think those two guys have really had really good competition against each other, and they're going at each other in a great way. Um, I'm excited about where they're going with it. And everybody else has had really good summer. You know, it, the, the summer is a little weird because you're gone recruiting, then you come back, you're only there for really two days. You don't get a lot of time to work with them, so it's not great continuity. Um, but I think if you had to pick two, go, two guys who have separated themselves, it's probably been those two guys. What about Amir? It's a big year for Amir. I mean, he's got NBA aspirations. Yeah. He's got to take another leap. You know, I tell people, it, it, to me, it's, it's, it's all a process, right? I mean, Amir had a, a test, and he passed it with flying colors in the first season. 
Now he's got a new test, whatever that may be, you know, but uh, he had a great first season. I mean, he led the conference in minutes played for a freshman. That's amazing. Uh, obviously, was really, really good. Uh, now, stakes will be raised a little bit. You know, what, what are you going to improve on? Um, you know, it, now that that targets on your back a little bit and you're going to be bumped up in the scouting report, uh, can you perform at that level? I, I know he can. Uh, I'm excited about it. You know, so I think that he's up for the challenge. Uh, he's had a really good summer, uh, done a lot of really good things, and, and I think that versatility, he's going to get more and more versatile as he moves on. But, you know, he did a lot of things his freshman year that went unnoticed, like minutes played, his defense was really good, to go along with all the other things that we all noticed. Mason's now 100% healthy? Yes. Yeah, you know, it's again, But it took a while, right? Well, it's funny. I mean, I, I, he was out of it during that Middle Tennessee game. And Nate's kind of a quiet kid. Um, he doesn't talk a lot during the game. You know, he's got a, kind of a calming presence. And finally, in the middle of the game, I was like, what is wrong with you? And he didn't want to say he was hurt. But he was out probably seven weeks after that with a hip issue. Uh, you know, so he was really hurt. Um, but he fought through it. And obviously he didn't play well, but I think a lot of that had to do with his injury. Uh, but yeah, he's back, looking good. Um, you know, he went to that CP3 camp. I think played really well from what I've been told. And uh, he'll, have a, he'll have a great fall, and I think he's excited. I suppose keep working with Reggie, stay out of foul trouble. I mean, if he can give you 27, 28 minutes a night, the That's numbers are going to be there. That's what I've told him. I said, Reggie, he, he's, he's extremely productive. He, you know, you play 22 minutes a game and you, you produce. You just don't play a lot. And it's not from me yanking you. It's from you fouling. Uh, you know, it can't always be the ref's fault. At some point, it's going to have to be. There were some questions. You know, there, sure. But he just, uh, you know, this has been the first summer we've been able to work with him. You know, because last year he was hurt during the season two years ago uh, where he had some surgeries. Uh, he, we didn't work with him over the summer. Um, so now we can finally work with him, and I think it's going to help him. Uh, so he's been great. You know, he's a great kid. Um, he just, he's got a knack like I've never seen a blocking shots, and he can score in the post. Uh, and he's an eager, you know, he, he works. Uh, so I'm excited about having a great fall for him because he's got the size to do it, obviously. Who's your team's best shooter? Team's best shooter would probably be, and we still don't have a great one. I mean, I think Jameer Harris is by far um, has the most potential. You don't never know with a freshman. I think that Eric Curry's numbers are going to jump like Dupree McBrayer's jumped from his freshman to sophomore year. I could see Nate's numbers really improving, Dupree's numbers, uh, Amir's numbers improving, um, you know, Michael's numbers, he gets more reps will improve. Uh, so I don't think we have a, 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 a knockdown shooter. I think Jameer would be that guy. But I think all of them with more reps will get better percentage-wise. Will they get more reps though? I mean, how challenging is that? You got some egos, right? I mean, not all these guys can play 20 minutes a night, 25 minutes a night. Yeah. You can't play 11 guys. No, you know, I mean, I think more than anything is just getting them to, to you know, it, it's good challenges to have. You know, that means that you got a good team. Um, get them to understand that if you win, all those other stuff, all that other stuff that you want will come. I think we saw that. Th we were living proof of that this year. You know, we had no preseason expectations. Nobody picked. Nate Mason to be first team all-conference, Murph to be all-conference, Amir to be all-freshman, Reggie defense. Nobody picked those things. So at the end of the day, it's all irrelevant. Like, you, you got 
you know, that, that recognition that they all want. You got it, but you got it because you played the right way and you won. Uh, so it's got to be the same way. You can't start worrying about touches or where you are in the offense, what's your role going to be, minutes played. Like, you didn't worry about it last year, and we had a terrific regular season, and a lot of guys had individual success. Well, it's not changed there. That, that should not matter. Uh, but, again, that's, that's my responsibility, and I'm excited about figuring that all out. That's all I needed. Awesome. Thanks. Always an enjoyable conversation. Gophers head coach Richard Pitino entering year five here with Minnesota. I sat down with him on Wednesday early afternoon right before the Big Ten schedule was officially released. So he talked about having those two early Big Ten games, those games in early December. They get Nebraska and Rutgers. So he said, hey, we'll have seven really challenging games before Christmas Put Nebraska and Rutgers among those seven. Sam Mitchell, former Wolves interim coach, was on a recent Scoop podcast. He's coaching a Virgin Islands team. Milt Newton, the former Wolves general manager, helped set him up with that gig. Anyway, Jordan Murphy has Virgin Island ties. He was maybe going to play for Sam Mitchell. Almost played for him last summer. Nearly played for him this summer. The hope is that maybe Jordan plays for Sam Mitchell next summer, but it did not work out. A reminder... It's a down week for the Gophers, then everything picks up next week with some state fair appearances. Certainly the Gophers football opener, the Gophers will host a number of local recruits on the 31st of August. Before we get to Tori Hunter, Twin Special Assistant, Twins TV Analyst, some love for a new sponsor on the Scoop Podcast. It is Camp Zero Coolers, online camp-zero.com again. Camp-Zero.com, if you're buying one of their coolers, enter the promo code SCOOP. Again, promo code SCOOP for $10 off of your order. Why can't reliable, cool-looking products also be affordable? Well, their philosophy is simple. Offer ruggedly cool outdoor products that are affordable and, most importantly, designed to withstand the rigors of the outdoors. Whether you are going camping, hunting, fishing, even tailgating. Think about Vikings tailgating, Gophers football tailgating. Maybe you're just attending a family picnic. Camp Zero branded products will always have your back. They have 20-liter coolers. They have coolers much bigger than that. If you're into coolers, if you need a cooler for anything going on outdoorsy in the next handful of months, I know a lot of people who listen to the Scoop Podcast certainly participate in a number of outdoor activities Camp Zero Coolers are the way to go. Again, the website, camp-zero.com. Use the promo code SCOOP. All right, let's now get to one of our favorites here on the Scoop Podcast. It's been a number of episodes, but it's always great to catch up with. Twins Hall of Famer, Tori Hunter. Tori, always good to catch up. We are taping this the middle of Game 1. It's a five-game series with the White Sox. We're taping this. In the middle of game one, your team is down by a number of runs. So if the score holds, you guys will now be 0-6 in the first game of double headers this season. Is that just randomness? Any way you can explain issues in game one of these double headers this year? <laughs> no no explanation, man. That's just baseball. It's just sports. I mean, uh, things like that happen. Of course, you don't want them to happen. You want to break streaks. And uh, eventually I come to an end, hopefully this year, uh, if not next year. But, I mean, it's just it's something that's unexplainable. It's, it's a sport, you know. But most of the time when they lose, you know, at least they bounce back. 
in, in the second game. So um, usually they have a spot starter that comes up, a younger guy, you know, uh, and, and he might might not be the, the most experienced pitcher in the first game, and he might end up losing. But in the second game, you might have Santana or Barrios going, and you have a better chance of winning. So it could be the pitchers, but, you know, me knowing baseball, knowing sports, and been around it a long time, anything can happen. It just happens. Speaking, Tori, of inexplicable, I mean, heading into the Monday doubleheader, 63 and 59, you know, tied for that second wild card, yet the run differential is still like, what, minus 50-something? Like that, you just, you can't explain that. Well, I mean, no, you really can't. You know, I don't get caught up in run differentials and different things like that. Uh, Save a metrics too much. It's a guideline, and it's something that you kind of look at and say, oh, okay, it's unexplainable. How can you explain it? You know, I explain it by saying these guys are still young. It's a young squad. You have young guys with great talent, and they're doing some great things right now. You know, pitching is still fluctuate. It's up and down. You know, there's Santana, Barrios. When they're, when they're starting, you got a really good chance of winning. But after that, it's kind of up in the air. These guys have the potential of doing some great things. And, you know, uh, uh, those four, that third and fourth starter, they're doing some great things. But sometimes, you know, they get hit. And then these guys have to go out and try to hit more. The bullpen has been great, you know, last week, uh, uh, two weeks ago. But this week they've been kind of shady. But also the, the offense has been explosive. So it's kind of like all cylinders have to click. And, uh, and I think just because of the youth that they have, that's why it's not clicking, you know, consistently. But you do see flashes of greatness from this ball club. And if they can hold that and sustain that in the second half, you know, these next six weeks, I think these guys are going to be – you're going to see these guys in the playoffs. I mean, that is the goal, right? I mean, what what in your mind makes this team different than your 2015 team that that certainly played meaningful games deep into September but ultimately did not make the playoffs? Why do you believe this team is capable of making the playoffs? Well, I mean, it's, it's a no-brainer. You know, from 2015, they were super young. They, they just, you know, you've seen the flashes, you've seen the talent, you've seen Sano come up, hit those homers. You saw Rosario come up and hit his first home run opposite field and had a good season, you know, uh, uh, last three or four months of the season in 2015. And uh, last year you kind of saw those guys, you know, struggle a little bit. They've been through a struggle. And this year, man, they were in first place the first three months of the season. That's not a fluke. These guys are actually pretty good to sustain and hold that from a good Cleveland team. You know, Kansas City Royals was a championship. They won the championship in 2015. So, uh, I mean, these guys are actually, you know, the real deal. They just have some pitching woes here and there. You know, they have some offensive woes in there, which is for any ball club. But these guys are the real deal this year. They, they're three years into the big leagues, a lot more mature, understand what the pitchers are trying to do to other teams are trying to do to them. And, uh, and they've made some changes in the bullpen. And Eddie Godado has a different philosophy out there in the bullpen. It's get strike one, throw a strike. And I think I have to commend Brandon Kinsler for kind of leading the way. Because, of course, we traded him off. But in a way, he kind of changed that bullpen. So I definitely think this, this team, 2017 uh, uh, team, these guys are very special. They're going to go out there and they're giving us in Minnesota, all the fans, myself, which I'm a fan now, 
and giving us a chance to see some playoff baseball. You're a fan, but you're also a broadcaster. You're also a special assistant. Did you have your fingerprints on on some of those transactions, the Kinsler trade, the Garcia trade? Did Falvey, <laughs> did Levine, did they run those trades by you? Uh, some, some of them. But I, I definitely think that uh, those guys do a great job, man. You know, Thad and, and Derek, you know, together combined, they, they both have the same philosophy. Uh, they're trying to, you know, really elevate this organization not saying that elevation, the organization wasn't already elevated. They just want to put a little more on it, put a different spin on it, and uh, and I and I think the guys are buying into it. All the players, the coaches, front office, and they're buying into it because they're doing it the right way. I like them so far. I'm telling you that now. I, I like working for those guys. I like talking to those guys, and I like you know everything about them. So uh, I definitely think they had their their most of the, most of that was those guys. I. I had a little bit. Latroy had a little bit, and Kadir had a little little bit of uh, uh, information to give him. Corey, I suppose in your ideal world, the one game wild card playoff is what the Angels against the Twins, or or do you still root for your guy Aaron Hicks with the Yankees? <laughs> I still I, I root for Aaron Hicks solo, you know, individually. And, you know, I still like the person. I, I still like what he's doing. I'm glad he's doing. The, Okay, a really good job, and uh, I know he just came back from injury. You know, he's still Aaron Hicks. He's still a possible 5-2 player with a great arm, great de- defensive player, and hit for power, hit for average, on-base percentage, all those things. You know, uh, I always say if he ever put it together, he's going to be in- impressive. But I don't want him to go to the playoffs. <laughs> I want the Twins to go to the playoffs. <laughs> hey, you know what about your what about your angels though, right? I mean, Mike Trout is still your guy. You still have a lot of friends with the Angels organization, I bet. And I, I got a lot of love for the Angels organization, and a lot of love. I mean, these guys adopted me and brought me in, and made me like family. And I, I love Trout, you know that. And I love you know Soch. I love all the guys on the coaching staff. You know, I, I do. I, I would love to see those guys in there versus the Twins. Well, how about that? Wouldn't that be nice? That would be nice. What wouldn't be nice is if Mike Trout has one of his Mike Trout-esque games and and gets on base four or five times, hits two home runs. I mean, what what makes him so he special? Two, he, he can hit two solo home runs. That wouldn't be so bad. I mean, he hits two solo home runs. Okay, if we don't score two runs, we're going to lose anyway. You're right. I mean, you guys don't win when you don't score four runs or more. But did you know right away, Tori, the first time you met Mike Trout, okay, this kid is going to be something special? Man, I, I told this to Mike Trout. You know, he was 18 and 19 years old. Um, I saw Mike Trout uh, come to the big leagues at 19, and he's taking these pitches and working the count. He was every every at bat, he was three two count, and he was working these account. I mean, uh, the the count, and just he probably didn't get a hit, but just the the way he knew the strike zone and the, the he swung at pitches he really wanted. He hit some balls hard and didn't get the hits he wanted. And he was kind of frustrated. I'm like, I said, bro, look, you're 19 and you're swinging at pitches, you, the pitches that you want. You're taking pitches that the pitcher wants. And, and you, you're getting walks and you, you're battling. You're giving us a chance to see pitches. I said, you remind me of a guy at the plate that has plate awareness. It was Joe Maurer. And Joe, 19, he did the same thing. And I saw something special in him as well. And Trout was doing the same thing. And we already knew this guy was going to be special. He has five tools. He can run. He can throw. He plays great defense. He can field. I mean, he's a 5-2 player. And so, yeah, did I know? Yes. And then what's so great about it, he doesn't want to be a superstar. 
He just want to play baseball and he also treat people like he wants to be treated. And that's what I love about him. The better defensive center fielder, Torrey Hunter in his prime or Mike Trout? Oh, me by far. <laughs> yeah, Not even close, far. huh? Trout couldn't play with me in the, in the outfit. He knows that. He makes some highlight real catches, though. I mean, he'll rob some home runs from time to time. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, he knows. He he, he was actually pretty fast. He's faster than I was, I'm pretty sure. He can he can blaze out. Uh, but he wasn't better being outfit. He knows it. You know who else is faster than you? Byron Buxton, 13.85 seconds from home to home the other night. I mean, in your prime, could you have come close to 13.85 seconds on an inside-the-park home run? Hell to the no. No <laughs> chance. <laughs> no chance. I mean, Buxton, his speed is world-class. There's not too many people in the world that probably can beat him running. I mean, uh, I mean, the way he runs the bases, I think defensively, he's probably the best defensive player that I've seen in my in my career. Really? Defensive, yeah, defensive center fielder in my career. Watch him in a, him on a day-to-day basis, the way he plays center field, and I it's tough for me to give anybody credit and say they're better than me, but I this guy has the speed to catch up to anything. He maybe he doesn't have the style points I had. <laughs> but I can tell you he can cover some ground. I, I think he covered way more ground than I did. Are you like a proud papa, Tori? You know, seeing him now succeed at the plate. Man, I'm I'm a proud papa in many ways. Man, I just watching him, you know, and and you know, giving my input and my imparting to him. And I'm pretty sure he had like Doug McCavage and everybody's had imparted in that young kid, or giving them different things in, in different situations. But I have a lot of guys in the major leagues that I'm proud of, Matt uh, Matt Carpenter, you know, Matt Kemp and. Trout, all these guys that I've been part of in, I am a proud big brother or a papa because Buster can't be my son, by the way. But <laughs> I definitely am proud, of, you know, to see these guys because I'm pretty sure somebody that most of the players like Molitor, you know, you know, rest in pieces, you know, God rest his soul is Kirby Puckett. Mm-hmm. These guys were proud of me as well when I went on and did great things because they saw the things that they implemented in me. They saw that spill out in every area of my life. So. Yes, I am a proud friend, brother, papa, whatever you want to call it. Put your put your deep analyst hat on. What what mechanically, what what schematically at the play, what adjustments has has Byron what has he done? What has he done to succeed? I mean, I think he's hitting over 400 in the last 12 or 13 games. We saw we saw a snippet of it Tory last September, but then he got off to the slow start this year, but ever since that slow start, those first whatever it was, 70 75 at bats, I mean, he's hitting close to 300. He has clearly made adjustments. What are those adjustments? I mean, he's hitting like 350 in the last 21 games or 20 games or something like that. I mean, Buxton, one thing I see from the first half, the first three or four months, he had a leg kick and he had a lot going on. The sliders down and away, he swung over those pitches. And he wasn't using his hips and he was rolling over balls, hitting a you know, foul on the third base side and hitting them you know, on the ground was not going to right right center field at all consistently. So, but if you look at him now, he's getting more of a foundation, more of a base. He's more quiet with his legs, and he's getting that foot down early and ready to hit, so he can pay attention. He can he can see the pitches. He can recognize the pitches if they're balls or strikes earlier now, and he's able to keep that bat head and not lose it. Losing it means like rolling the bat head over towards third too early. 
he's now keeping his bat head and his square towards the middle of the field, up the middle, like at second base, second base, and, sh- and shortstop. So the barrel is still standing in the zone, and he's able to shoot that ball up the middle to right center. So he's keeping his bat head. He's quieter. And I and one other thing, he understands, and he's making adjustment, and he understands what those guys are trying to do to him. And I think he has all the confidence in the world that he's made the adjustment. Another hot hitter, Tory is Eddie Rosario. Does a lot of what you just laid out for Byron also apply to Eddie? Yeah, I mean, this is Eddie. Eddie's probably, you know, uh, figured out what these guys are trying to do to him. He's jumping them early. You know, they're pitching him away. He's he's hitting over three hundred against lefties. You know, it's hard for a lefty to hit over three hundred on another left-hander. You know, uh, he's hitting lower against righties. So. Uh, when the, the it's supposed to be against him, the average is supposed to be against him, you know, against lefties, he's actually killing those guys. And one reason why is that he keeps his front foot, front hip closed, and he's, he knows his powers to the opposite side. And when he throws it, when they throw the all speed to him, he actually turns on that because he's thinking fastball, shoot it to, to left center, left field. And, and I think he's more mature, three years in the big leagues. He understands more. You know, um, he's getting his rest. He's he's uh, uh, he's eating right. He's having a little more fun. So, yeah, this guy's a talent. We all knew it. It's starting to show. So, we're glad to have him. Tori, would you like to see Molly back for fourth year as manager? And going back to your first year playing for Molly, being around Molly a lot this year, how have you seen him evolve as a manager? Man, he's he, Molly's always been smart. I got to tell you, this guy is, you know played a, a major in, uh, uh, part in my life, you know, in my career, in my life, and, you know, about finances, about, you know, playing on the field, you know, what to look for on the field. He gave me some, some little uh, secrets of the of the game, and I was able to, you know, give it back to a lot of players in Major League Baseball because of that guy. And him as a manager, it's amazing because he's actually getting better. He's starting to have a little more fun with the guys, and, you know, Molly's a quiet guy anyway but he he's getting to know you know Byron and Kepler and you know all the guys in the clubhouse and and talking to him and he's a little more smarter in making his decisions as well so uh, I definitely think I'll bring him back it's kind of new to him he's this this is his third year so he's only going to get better as he goes do you think you guys will make a trade in the next 11 days uh that's something that you know even if I knew I couldn't tell you you know, if I, t- if I have to try. If you want to know, then I have to, I have to take you in the backyard. <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> you would destroy me. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I have no idea. You know, if, if there's something out there that's, that's reasonable, that makes sense, you know, I'm pretty sure they jump on it. But, you know, other than that, you know, I can't really tell you. I don't know. <laughs> All right, I'll leave you with two more <laughs> points. Royce Lewis hit his first home run for Cedar Rapids, low A Cedar Rapids on Monday. Mm-hmm. Did you need to be convinced on Royce Lewis? Were you in the Hunter Green boat for a while or Brendan McKay? And what do you see so far from Royce? Because what he did down in Fort Myers, you know, rookie ball now with Cedar Rapids, it looks like his future is incredibly bright. Ooh, it's bright. It is so bright. I'll you know, I, I was able to watch video on Hunter Green and uh, Brandon McKay, you know, and Royce Lewis, and I watched those guys. We knew we had a chance that all three of those guys 
uh, we had the first pick. Of course, we had a chance, but I kind of I watched the video and Cuddy watched the video, and we all was, we both came up to conclusion like, look at this guy. We he plays well, he runs well, he has a strong arm, has a little power. Uh, he, he at the time he was 17 when we saw it. He was 18 uh, with one month uh, uh, when he got drafted. But we looked at him not only just what he had on the field. That's impressive in itself. But we watched him when he went to the dugout. We watched him with his teammates. We asked a lot of questions. You know, we, we asked those guys, what do you think of Royce? And everybody was like, wow, that guy's special. He had us pumped up in the, in the dugout. He's a great kid, great guy. So we kept hearing the same thing about him. So that's what made him so special. And I think that's why he's, you know, he can have a lot of success, but he also can make other people better around him as well. So, and that's what, what made him so attractive. I lied. I actually have two final points, so it was actually three. Two more. Is there a pitcher that you guys signed? It was based off of your recommendation. I don't know where he's at right now. Maybe it's low A, high A somewhere, but you made the recommendation. <laughs> oh, man, where you get all this information from? Uh, you know, I end up talking to people. I text more people than you realize, and who knows? A bunch of people feed me a bunch of information, Tori. Some of it is true. Some of it is probably a bunch of crap. No, I mean, honestly, I didn't, you know, it's not up to me. It's not something that I, I did. I just kind of, you know, led him one way, and and he had to do it for himself, and it's Michael Kahn. All right, he, so it's true, though. He's, All right. He's so, working his way back. You know, I, I knew him when he was younger. You know, I, I played with him for a minute and with the Angels. Okay. He had some surgeries, and he's bounced back, and he, he you know, he has a strong arm. He's a fighter, and he's somebody that, you know, that can teach. So he's working his way back up, and we'll see what happens. But I, I'm, I suggested it, but it's not up to me. It was up to him. All right, so where is he at right now? I think he's in uh, in high A ball. He's in the miracle, just working his way, getting that, getting the, the innings that he needs, and, and I, I think he's doing pretty, pretty well. Is it a safe bet that you will be back in the booth next year for – whatever it ends up being, 15, 20, 25 games. I mean, you know me. I mean, I'll admit my bias. I love talking to you. But but just listening to your analysis during games, whether it's the one-liners making me chuckle or, you know, some of the hardcore analysis, not necessarily just regurgitating game notes, you were an enjoyable listen. Are you going to do it again next year? <laughs> you put me on the spot, Doogie. Well, I have to, don't I? Yeah, yeah, it's, you're a hot seat, man. Why am I sweating every time you ask a question? Well, I mean, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? I mean, if they ask you back, would you like to do it again? You know what? I what I I, I like it. I like it, and and you know the feedback has been great. Every time I come to Minnesota, it's like, wow, this is awesome. I love to hear your voice. You know, not not just laughing. I, I like to hear. The, the things you have to say. I'm giving you a perspective of a player mm-hmm. who was nothing but all I did was watch your weaknesses. You know, I watched the thing. I had I watched all the, the the hitters' tendencies. I watched the players in the field their tendencies and what they did and didn't do. So I can give you my bird's eye view of the game and what I saw while I was running the bases, what I saw while I was taking the lead, what I saw in different situations at third base. You know, so. Yeah, I I would love to do that, and I also like to have the the fans like they're sitting in the bar talking to me. That's why I crack the jokes to keep it keep it fun and, and have fun with it. But yet, I can give you something serious 
analysis that you never heard before because I've seen this game. I've done it. I've done it. I failed a lot and I made adjustments. So, yeah, I mean, it, it works for the fans. But for me, man, you understand, when I go to A-ball, double-A, triple-A, or in the major leagues, and I walk in the clubhouse and you see these young guys, they look at you and they say, man, I want to go I want to go where he's been. And then they run to you and they say, hey, could you help me? You know, that's, that's what I, I love more. You know, I, I love giving these kids and giving these guys the opportunity that I, I, I've had Yet, I want to give them some of the failures that I've made and the adjustments that I've made from my failures to give it back to them so they can have a better life than I did or, or a better career than I did. So I kind of like that more. All right, so what so, you're saying is did you not get to do that enough then this year, maybe because you did all those TV games? Uh, I mean, I could have I did it, but I still – I'm retired. I came home from my family and my wife, you know, uh, so I don't want to do too much. And it wasn't too much this year, actually. So would I do it next year? Probably so. But I'm just telling you that I really love giving it back. Well, we love that you give back to the podcast, Tori. I will see you soon. Hopefully we can catch up about on Monday, October 2nd. Twins and Angels. We'll do a Twins and Angels preview for the one-game playoff. How's that sound? Yeah, that might work. That might just work. Let's do it. So no Yankees in the playoffs. The Red Sox win the East. The Indians win the Central. The Astros win the West. Then Twins versus Angels. The winner gets the Astros in the, uh, I guess it would be what, the the second round there. There you go. And I'm I'm, I'm, I'm betting on the Twins to win but not monetarily. <laughs> I would hope you would bet on the Twins, the team that employs you. You would really be showing me something if if you didn't bet on the Twins, Tori. Not monetarily. No, of course not monetarily. Thank you so much, Tori. All right, man. The always entertaining Tori Hunter, he has been able to make the rounds, was recently with the Chattanooga team. He's in Fort Myers here before the month is over with the Miracle. Then we'll spend some time for those final few games with Cedar Rapids, get an up-close look. At Royce Lewis. All right, let's get to Marcus George's hunt, new Wolves guard. He will go to camp with the Wolves. Certainly will have a chance to win a roster spot with an impressive performance come late September into early October. Marcus, thanks for your time. We were just chatting off air. You said you had dinner with one of the Wolves front office members. Is that what this time is about these next few weeks? Getting to know your teammates, your new teammates, the coaches, the front office personnel, whether it's on the court, off the court, before training camp and, and everything ramps up? Uh, yeah, for the most part. Um, just, you know, being member, being able to uh, get comfortable, like you said, the front office, uh, new teammates, and the new system. How exactly, Marcus, did the Minnesota situation come about i mean you were put on waivers i know a number of teams had some interest in claiming you ultimately you passed through waivers but then presumably Uh a lot of those teams reached out to your representation how did you ultimately end up settling on minnesota choosing minnesota uh i feel like the situation at hand was uh pretty good for me as a young player that they are rebuilding and they're at a stage where Right now, I feel like they uh, are about to take off and do some pretty, you know, good things out in Minnesota. Um, and I, 
saw that they needed wings. And um, I feel like Coach Tibbs was a great coach for me, uh, being that, you know, he's a defensive-minded coach. Was he always somebody, Marcus, you know, even going back to your Georgia Tech days in college, was he always somebody that you – that you took notice of when he was when he was coaching in Chicago. I did take notice of uh, the passion, you know, he he coached with and the and the, the effect he had on the game. Especially, you know, uh, I watched Jimmy and how he grew as a player. Each year he got better, and um, and now now he's a, he's a superstar, you know. So he uh, he he developed Jimmy, and I I, I kind of watched it from afar. And uh, he he does, you know, the things I hear about him are great things, and a lot of players love playing for him. I mean, you're right, Marcus. I mean, outside of Jamal Crawford, I mean, they don't have any wing depth whatsoever. I mean, is that what is most appealing about Minnesota, that there is a legitimate path as we talk here on, on the 21st of August? Now, it's possible in the next couple of weeks they'll add a couple bodies, but as we sit here on the 21st of August, that you see a realistic path to, to sticking with the Wolves for a while because they lack wing depth? Uh, uh, I, I know I, they're going to add some more guys, whether it's vets or another young guy. But right now, um, like you said, on the 21st of August, they don't have many wings. And being that I could come in and, you know, learn from, you know, watching Jimmy, watching Jamal and just, you know, being around those guys, um, it will help me out. And um, I can learn a, a lot and a lot of knowledge uh, for this upcoming season. I mean, how much are you looking forward to really absorbing all that knowledge from those guys? I believe those guys will be in town, at least a majority, if not all, right after right after Labor Day. Are you looking forward to working on the court with those guys? Oh uh, yeah, I'm 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 ready. Um, I'm like a sponge, you know. I, I I'm great at listening and trying to apply it to to my game. So, for the most part, I'm I'm excited to be around these type of caliber guys. Ready to start, you know, get work done. Tell us about your game. If if you had to write a scouting report on your style of play, I mean, you can play on the ball and off the ball. Yeah, um, I can play for the most part. Um, when I was in Orlando, I played during the summer league. I played the one through the four, kind of, sort of. I can play on the ball, off the ball, very versatile, um, strong guard, um, defensive, you know, uh, I can play defense and uh, knock down the open three for the most part. I mean, how much has your shot evolved? I mean, that's the way the NBA game is going, as you well know. I mean, do you feel comfortable from – from anywhere from, from three-point range? Uh, I feel real comfortable. Um, I put in a lot of work. You know, from my college days, I, I wasn't a great three-point shooter, but ever since I, you know, um, started playing pro, my percentages have gone up. And uh, I've put in a lot of time in the shooting, you know, working on my three-point and three-point shot of my form and all the little things having my jump shot get you know trying to perfect it do you play with a bit of an edge a bit of a chip on your shoulder being that you were undrafted and it's been one heck of a journey just to get to this point uh yes for sure i always play with a chip on my edge being that you know uh everything i've done so far 
I've, I've earned it, and uh, I really can't take, you know, no day for granted, and uh, can't take nothing for granted, and uh, I just, you know, try to take it one day at a time and try to attack each day and control what I can control uh, and do all the little things everything I'm supposed to do for the most part. So, yeah, I do play with a chip on my shoulder. Um and aggression and a, a hunger being that, you know, what I went through up to this point. Take us more through the journey. I mean, coming out of Georgia Tech, did you think you would get drafted, then you don't get drafted, then you go to Summer League with the Nets, then you end up where D-League, some time with the Miami Heat, you got into some NBA games last year with Orlando, but you spent a good amount of time in the D-League. I mean, it's been it's been one heck of a ride the last couple of years, hasn't it? Yeah, um, you know, leaving Georgia Tech, uh, starting the draft process, I didn't know what to expect, um, so I'm just working out. Then uh went to work out for uh, different teams, and draft night comes, I'm just, you know, you know, watching the draft, not really, you know, thinking about getting drafted, just, you know, seeing what, you know, what the results are. So I get, I go undrafted, and uh go with the Celtics, the Boston Celtics, the training camp, and play the preseason with them. Brad, Brad Stevens and, you know, Danny Ainge, um, great organization. Learned a lot there, too. Um, great staff. And uh, then I get sent up to their D-League team, which is a is a great D-League team, the main Red Claws. Mm-hmm. And the staff, they, the staff that Danny and uh, uh, Brad Stevens put together in Maine was and Dave Lewin put in Maine, put together in Maine, was a great staff for me. Uh, I learned a lot, and I my, took off. Uh, took off when I was there in Maine. Um, but <clears throat> while I'm in Maine, yeah, I'm, I'm doing good, and I stay solid, and try to be as consistent as possible. That's one big thing for me, is just being consistent. Um, so I get a 10-day contract call-up with the Miami Heat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I go down there, and I I didn't I didn't play, but um, practice and things like that. Um, learned a lot. But that's a great organization to play for. Um, they they value a, a great tradition that they that they have built up over the years. Um, and then after that, after my 10-day was up with Miami. I played in the D-League All-Star game. Um, that was a great experience. Then I go back to Maine and play for a couple games. And Orlando calls and signs me for the rest of the year. So this it's has been a, a, a long journey, but, you know, I've made the most out of it. And Throughout the, the different places I've been so far, uh, I've learned a lot. I mean, the beauty is, I mean, you have a lengthy career ahead of you, but you can say you've already played in an NBA game. You got into some game action with Orlando. That limited time you did play last season with Orlando, what what stood out the most when you were on the court? Uh, being able to, you know, uh, just, you know, that was, you know, I'm, I'm there. I'm here. You know, my first, the first game with Orlando, I was with Orlando against Cleveland. 
in a great environment. Um, uh, that place was going nuts. <laughs> and, you know, being able to, you know, sit up close and watch and study some of the things like LeBron was doing and some of the things, you know, some of the people that I look up to growing up in a way um, during, you know, as you're trying to get to the NBA, look at some of the things they like they're doing and try to take notes and try to value it to your game and put it into your game. Um, one big moment that stood out to me was uh, we just playing Chicago and I was, you know, uh, I was guarding Dwayne Wade. Mm. That, mm. you know, I was born in Miami Day, Day County and I watched him uh, a lot when he first came out of Marquette. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, had a wave jersey and everything. And being that, you know, I was right in front of him playing defense, it was, you know, kind of sick, kind of cool. Um, but, you know, I just try to, you know, play and compete. But that was a real moment, real good moment that stood out to me last year when I did, when I was able to play uh, in a couple NBA games. Who was the best player you played against in the ACC? That's kind of tough because a lot of great players in the ACC. Uh, <laughs> uh, starting from my freshman year, I mean, I've guarded. A lot of people that I've guarded are in the NBA, actually. <laughs> so the best player, uh, oh, that's a tough one. I, I mean, think. you're right. I mean, you think about Duke and North Carolina. And all the schools in the ACC, I mean, the list has to be endless. I'm guessing you competed against a number of, of regular NBA guys, probably some all-stars, I would think. A, a, a number, yeah. A number of NBA guys I have. It's kind of hard to, to say who was, a, who was a better player, honestly. But, I mean, the idea, Marcus, is, and we're talking about Marcus George's hunt, a new Wolves wing. I mean, the idea is the ACC very much prepared you for for this latest opportunity, all your opportunities, but certainly this latest opportunity to make sure that you stick with the Wolves, that you don't end up back in the G League. Yeah, the ACC is, a, I think, in my opinion, is the best league in America, college league. Um, night in, night out, you, you're playing against some great competition and top NBA prospects each night. Um, uh, so I think it, it prepared me for, you know, what I was trying to achieve, which is playing in the NBA. And uh, I feel like if you look across the NBA, it's a lot of people that play in the ACC as I'll, well. Yeah. I mean, there's – it's endless, right? I mean, there are just – there are so many guys. You know, you think about Kyrie Irving at Duke and, I mean, all the guys from North Carolina. I mean, it's just – it's it's one lottery pick after another. So I have to imagine playing against those guys while in Atlanta at Georgia Tech, I mean, that has put you in this position to hopefully stick in the NBA long term. Yeah, it does. It does prepare you for the next level and the, the next, you know, gear you have to take in order to make the NBA. I'll leave you with this. I, I wasn't necessarily stalking you, but to prepare for, for our chat, I went to your Instagram, and I saw a picture of you in the boxing ring. Is is boxing something that you do just 
for cardio sake? Is boxing something you've done for a long time? Tell us about you being in the ring boxing. Well, boxing, I feel like it's a great workout. Um, uh, cardio, uh, cardio and just, you know, for me, it's really just cardio. It's not like I'm trying to, you know, practice or get into the ring one day <laughs> or anything. It's just, I feel like it's a great cardio. Um, we were doing it in Orlando. Um, and uh, I remember I did it in high school at one point before. Uh, but it does help me with my cardio and it. And it, it just helps me with my overall body. Just being able to go through a boxing workout is not as easy as people think it is. So, yeah, it, it actually helps me get my wind up. So, I mean, are there noticeable gains that you've made, whether, you know, cardio-wise or in the gym? I mean, are there marks that you've hit this summer, whether it's vertical or who knows, a new personal record when it comes to pull-ups or bench press? I mean, have you seen noticeable improvements, measured improvements from your time in the gym or in the weight room this summer? Uh, yes. Uh, uh, there's a couple, actually. Uh, I haven't really tested my vertical and things like that, but the bench press, you know, uh, my max is... Um, I can't remember the number, but it did it did increase. Uh, I feel my, my body transforming. Uh, as far as uh, my wind has gotten a lot better. Mm-hmm. I can move, you know. I haven't really, I haven't lost weight. I stayed the same the whole, for the most part, the whole time. Um, so yeah, just. Everything I was, I was doing in Orlando, preparing for summer league, really helped me. Helped me up until this point. I still feel, you know, like I'm in good shape, and you know, I still feel strong, even though it's the off season, and I feel good. Marcus, welcome to town. Hopefully, you kick some butt in training camp in the preseason. That you stick around with the Wolves for a while here, as we. As we start the regular season, not that long from now, you know, with everything pushed up. I mean, when's the regular season opener? It's like mid-October. It's it's right around yeah. the corner. So hopefully we get to know you a lot more here in the coming months. Okay, thanks for having me. New Wolves wing Marcus George's Hunt. He's in town for workouts with the coaches. He's getting to know the front office. A lot of the Wolves players will be in town after Labor Day for group workouts. The next thing you know, mid-September. It's training camp. Then, hey, they have one late September preseason game against the Lakers out in California. Then they head to China for those two games against the Warriors, plus team bonding and plenty of practices over in China. The next thing you know, it'll be the opener in the regular season, mid-October. Then it's the home opener against Ricky Rubio and Utah. When is that? October 20th. The sponsor of the Scoop Podcast, at least one of them, Vine Park Brewery, vinepark.com. For 7 bucks, you can get tours of their brewery, which is in St. Paul, right off of West 7th Street, not far from 35E, in between 35E and downtown St. Paul again, right on West 7th Street. $7 tours of the brewery. They include a free flight or a pint, plus Heggie's Pizza. So you get a bunch of beer, you get pizza, plus you can see how they make beer. You can pick up a growler, or if you want to make your own beer or wine, 
you can do that too. Vine Park is the only brewery in the Midwest where you can brew your own beer and make your own wine on their equipment with their help. Vine Park has been the fun place to brew your own beer and make your own wines since 1995. They have the right recipe for you, I guarantee, whether it's pale ales, IPAs, brown ales, porters, stouts, lagers, pilsners, box wheats. If you like beer, they have something that you will enjoy. Be sure to support the sponsor, the main sponsor of the Scoop Podcast. It is Vine Park Brewery, vinepark.com for more information. That does it for Scoop Podcast Episode 90. Episode 91 will come later this week. That will just be a bunch of notes. I'll empty out the notebook. This one was all the interviews. We'll get back to interviews sometime next week. Thanks for listening, everyone.